Well, Sal, I made a plea about to Shohei, and he didn't listen to me. But I think <laughs> I can get to Yoshi's heart. And look, all these teams are interested. You're going to make it in the major leagues. There's no better spot. New York, New York. The Yankees already made their splash. It's the Mets' turn. So, Yoshi, why come here? I'll give you four simple reasons. Number one, you're the ace. You're going to be the number one starter on the Mets. You're the man. If the Mets win, you are a hero. You are a legend in your mid-20s. Ask Keith and Ron what it's like when the New York Mets win the World Series, okay? You're the man. Number two, familiarity. Look at Kodai Senga's season last year. He was an all-star. He could show you the ropes around New York. He knows where the real original Ray's pizza is <laughs> and why that red fry fork is so important to use at Nathan's. Little things like that go a long way. Number three, the money. King Cohen, no one's going to pay you more to pitch. Steve Cohen jumped on a plane to take you to a French-Japanese dinner out there. Who else flew in to see you? You want a plane of your own? We've got that. You know what? We'll start Yamamoto Airlines and fly right to Japan out of either White Plains or Islip. Your choice. Four, did I mention the money? How about a borough? Pick a borough. It's yours. Queens? Not Queens. It's Yamamoto's. Yoshi, this is a no Brainer, you'll be a well-paid pitching hero out at City Field in Queens. I, I'm sorry, out in Yamamoto County. The Yankees are all about Juan Soto. The Mets will be all about Yoshi Yamamoto. It's all yours, Yoshi. Come to the Mets. You won't regret it. And joining us second time in a month, that's because the hot stove, which has been the cold stove, is finally heating up. Michael Marino at Marino MLB on Twitter, national MLB reporter going out there, grinding, uh, reporting the news. And and uh, Michael, you know, I got to tell you, before the Otani news, worst winter meetings that I've experienced, and I guess they've been marketing these things oh, for about 20 years, uh, one of the slowest off seasons. And we've had off seasons where there was a lot of star players signing after the the new year. But I felt this was one of the slowest starts of the offseason. It's being blocked by Otani. It's being blocked by Yamamoto. The news came out with Otani. Uh, any reaction to that? A ton of money. Uh, any reaction? Are you surprised? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so, I mean, I had been tracking this thing for a while. Um, you know, I, I actually, I, if you were following kind of along with my reporting, First heard Red Sox were out and the Rangers were out. Then I put up those four teams that I was hearing, which it, it appears ended up being those four finalists, which were the Blue Jays, the Dodgers, the Cubs, and um, blanket on one, Angels. And uh, and so I had heard similar to what Rosenthal reported, um, Rangers just could not pull it off. He cited TV revenue. Um, I don't entirely know how. I, I think to some extent between us boys, I think it's a cop-out. Um, they just, they didn't want to do it. Yeah, And you're never going to fault a team for not paying someone $700 million. The, the Mets right? weren't going to do it. According to reports, the Cohen wasn't going to do it. You know, not exactly. that he would come to New York. I mean, you'd have to beat that offer. It's hard to beat that offer. What are you going to give him a billion? You exactly. Know, a DH? Because that's no, all he is exactly. right now is a DH. I don't want to diminish who he is, but things have changed a lot since the begin since last offseason, the beginning of the year. Totally. And, and so that's where Rangers took themselves out. Red Sox took themselves out came down to those four 
Uh, the next team to bow out was the Cubs, and that left the Angels, the Dodgers, and the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays made a real push. Obviously, there was some inaccurate buzz about, oh, he's flying in Toronto, and, you know, that obviously wasn't accurate. But what I, I do know is, is their push was real. They they really tried their hardest to get him. They, they were a real player when it came down to it. The Angels were in it, but, you know, I think what they were trying to do, like, they wanted Shohei Otani, no doubt, but it's hard to tell your fans, like, we didn't make a real push for to re-sign the best player and, you know, like, possibly ever. So they wanted to be in it till the end, and all their reporting is like, oh, the Angels were one of the finalists. And, like, I think they're comfortable with that. Like, you know, if they, if they heard that, like, they bowed out weeks ago, like, I think it would have been an uproar of, like, they didn't even try to get him back. But, you know, they were in that mix, and then it came down to the Dodgers and the Blue Jays. I don't have a clear idea of what the Blue Jays' offer was. I'm sure it was competitive for him to be, you know, strongly thinking about it. But 10 years, $700 million, I mean, that's that's crazy money. And he's a great player. He's one of the, the, the greatest players, maybe when it's said and done, like, of all time. What, you know, here's what I'll say here. Like, the deferrals are a huge part of this contract. And and it's interesting how MLB is going to view that because that's a circumvention of the luxury tax, the same luxury tax that guys like Steve Cohen paid a ton of money last season to have his uh, uh, team – lose 87 games a hundred percent and and that's where it's tricky and how and how you judge this like the rates are so high right now that anyone who's willing to take deferred money like the team right now has to just be like so happy that he was on board with that because not only does it help the team be competitive when he's there it, it will notch down the actual value of the contract. And there's almost no way the rates are anywhere close to what they are now when, you know, they're paying him till, you know, he's a senior citizen, right? right. Like he's going to be, I mean, they're, they're probably trying to get this time. contract down to about $500 million present value. I would think somewhere along exactly. those lines, exactly like $50 million a year or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, my understanding is like when you look at the AAV every year, during those 10 years, it's probably going to come down like 40 to $50 million. Um, it's a great deal for, yeah, for Otani, right? I mean, you get $700 million. It, everyone knows it's a great deal for him. For the Dodgers to be able to do that much deferred money, it's crazy. You know, I, I honestly think other teams now knowing how much deferrals, you know, like how much was deferred. I mean, like I, I don't fault the Mets for not being in, but you know, if they're giving him ten, fifteen million dollars for twenty years, like that's a, a drop in the bank. Um yeah. you know, and so it's a great deal for both sides. And and what I kinda looked into was like the calculations of how much money he generates from merchandise sales and what the Japanese market brings in. That comes to about $20 million when it's said and done. My guess is being on the Dodgers and not the Angels, it's probably closer to like 25 because of how big their market is. You know, ticket sales are not really impacted in terms of how much they sell out, but you got to imagine the price of a ticket might have just gone up sure. a little bit to see that guy. Sure. So, you know, let's say it's $25, $30 million you're making a year and just having Shohei Otani on the team. Well, if he's getting 70, then you're marketing about $40 million a year of on-field play in terms of his value. 
And I think you can reasonably get there. Like, I don't think that's a reach. So I just think it makes sense. Um, but no doubt, like I had been here in 600 um, and I, I put it out, like, don't be surprised if this starts with a six and people are like, what? Well, yeah. And, you know, Absolutely. didn't think it would start with a seven, but you know, the man deserved to be paid and he surely was. And and the thing about this is if you go to, you know, you just go and look it up online. You look at uh, uh, NFL quarterbacks, uh, Haybear, Murray, you know, 45, $46 million a year. Uh, Damien Lillard, uh, Antikonopo of the Bucks, almost $60 million each per year. Now, I know those are short-term contracts. I know NFL has uh, no guarantees. There's a lot of signing bonus money. I, I get that. Baseball now is in a spot where if you're good, you're going to get $25 million. If you're really good, you're probably going to get $40 million, $35, 40000000 million. And maybe if you're a Hall of Famer like Otani, maybe it's time to get paid like that. And, you know, I know there's been some criticism of Otani from the media basically saying, hey, you ruined the winter meetings. You could have had this LeBron James, uh, you know, tour. And he didn't want anything to do with it. I don't blame him on that. I'm not quite sure. And for someone who's trying to build his, you know, brand on rumors, it's a slippery slope. I think it's been abused over the years. I think the problem is that fans don't trust anything anymore. And to criticize the guy for basically making the media's job harder, I'm not so sure it would have marketed baseball anymore. Yeah, it would have put it front and center in the offseason like the NBA does on the 4th of July. But I'm not so sure that those kind of tours, the LeBron James tours, sit well and put any sport in the right uh, front facing. I, I think they're off-putting and they frustrate anger people. more. My opinion, maybe I'm wrong. No, I mean, I think it's somewhere in the middle. Like, here's what I'll say. You know, when the agent and the teams are willing to talk, you'll see a lot less misinformation. And a great example of this is how we believed he was on a flight to Toronto for like a full six hours before finding out that that wasn't actually the case. If his team and the teams involved were willing to kind of comment on it or put it to rest, you know, like that wouldn't have been the case. When you talk to, you know, people with these organizations, like they were scared to comment. Um, Except Dave Roberts. Exactly. And he got scolded for it, right? Like, like in his presser, he said, like, I don't want to lie. I'm not going to, like, lie to you guys. I want to tell you the truth. And, you know, like, right after, it was like the organization was mad at him. Like, he was under a lot of scrutiny from the team. And he got a ton of backlash for just, like, commenting on what he knew. And, you know, I think it's somewhere in between. Like, he is entitled to his privacy. Um, but to say, like, I, I think uh, part of it, um, like, I, I had an understanding that when I reported that the Rangers and the Red Sox were out, like there were some people who were not happy with my reporting um, because they didn't feel comfortable commenting it on it in the first place, whether it was right or wrong. And so now you're putting the teams in a tough spot where there's a report out there, true or false. You saw Jed Hoyer rip Bob Nightingale and it, you know, there's just, it, it, and yeah, about Christopher Morell. Yeah. Nightingale basically has gone out and done his own rant about the, the rumor bill. Look, everybody's trying to make a living. There's a lot of pressure for clicks. This is the time of the year where you can get it. 
And, you know, I agree. And I don't know where I read it. 95% of this, and I think that we talked about this the last time you were on. This is no big secret in the industry. 95% of this stuff, I believe, comes from agents. And, and it's their best interest to leak. And having a relationship with an agent can get you a lot. But it's like the telephone game. I could talk to Michael Marino now at, uh, you know, quarter after six on a Sunday, tweet something out. You might have heard it 3.30 or 3 o'clock. That's three and a half hour gap. And the old two sources, that doesn't necessarily lend itself to winning the digital game. So we're in this 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 mock. And, and look, Michael, we're going to be heading into another one of these because now the you know Mets fans are upset. Soto to the Yankees. I've never seen, uh, you know, it's funny because Yankees fans are so really focused on the Mets in a way that really makes you, it shows you how they're a little nervous about Cohen. Because you don't worry about a team if you don't. Going sure. after certain players, if you didn't, if you didn't care, um, Mets fans are bracing themselves for the worst and losing out to the Yankees. They've never beaten the Yankees one on one for a big free agent, going all the way back to Reggie Jackson. They've never been seriously in the consideration, and now Yamamoto, who some thought was going to be in New York, and Cashman was going to do a Pat Riley and throw the rings down on the table and have Tanaka and Matsui and all the you know pomp and circumstance, uh, all the history. They're meeting him out in L.A. because it saves the guy six hours worth of flights. And Hal will be there. No Tanaka. Uh, no Matsui. I know everybody says it's a fait accompli, the Yankees. Uh, you know, you hear people say, well, he's always dreamed about being a Yankee. Then I hear people say he's always dreamed about being a Dodger. I'm like, I don't remember hearing him say anything. Like, I don't hear, I don't know. Maybe you have something. So all I know is uh, the Mets really want him. In the past, going all the way back to when he was bidding on a Greenwich, Connecticut mansion, Steve Cohen wants something. He usually goes a dollar more and tries to get people in the room and hash it out. Uh, where does this stand? Because since the Soto trade, the fate accompli has been the Yankees. Yankees fans are feeling confident, and they've been citing the pinstripes, the history, the Japanese player relics coming over. And now, you know, going out to L.A., a little less personal than Steve Cohen and David Stearns flying to Japan, almost like a, a high school, a college co- coach recruiting. Uh, it was interesting yeah. to see that. Totally. I mean, here's what I'll tell you, and I'm going to kind of let you in on everything I've heard. You know, that 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 price tag, it's gone up week after week after week. I originally got over 200. I reported like four or five months ago. People were freaking out. Then I said it might be closer to three than it is two. People were freaking out. You know, I'm talking to people now and like, I asked someone last week, what's the over under? Like, and this is someone seriously in the know. He's like, I would peg it at like 250. 250, 260. I would, I'm like, I, I would take the over. I think this is a $30 million a year player. I don't know if he gets 10 years. Maybe it goes down to they match the Cole contract and the Mets do something like that. Or the Mets say, look, for us to beat the Yankees or the Red Sox or Chicago, I don't know how serious Chicago, you know, St. Louis apparently is in there. And, and anchor this rotation with Senga, have this Far East. You just talked about revenue. I just have to blow it away and go to the 35, 36, 37, maybe 40. Um, no, and, and, but and that's a that's risk. What, that's a risk. It's, it's totally a risk. And, you know, I asked that that same guy today. I said, you still at 250? He said, I think it's at 300 now. And so, you know, this price tag just, it keeps on going up. Um, you know, I have kind of monitored the Dodgers throughout. And I have... You know, some good info there about, you know, I, I was tracking them with Otani and I asked today, like, what's the deal with the Dodgers and Yamamoto? 
and I heard they love him. They really, really like him. They don't like him at $300 million. And that matters because, you know, you just spent $700 million on Shohei. Now, you know, the first few years, we, we have yet to see how those deferrals play out. You know, let's say it's $40 million. They, they, their rotation is, I will be the one to say it, not good. If you look at the Dodgers rotation, it needs a lot the, of work. The Yankees rotation could use some work, too. I wasn't ready to crown them champions after getting Soto, which is going to be an interesting champions. outfield with Judge and Center with the wear and tear and, and all that stuff. But they, you know, that, they need help. Right. I mean, all three, the Mets, the Yankees and the Dodgers, they all need help. Now, here's what I'll tell you about what he wants, because this is something that everyone says they know what Yamamoto wants and it's X, Y, Z. You know, you there was a West Coast rumor weeks ago. I asked, you know, someone who would know. They said it's not true. In fact, he might even prefer the East Coast to the West Coast. Um, so that's one thing. I asked about the teams. I said, does the history of the team matter? If the team has a rich success, does that impact it? That was a yes. And so one of the things that he, the impression he's gotten from Major League Baseball, is there's something to be said for historic organizations with rich histories. And in his mind, playing for an organization with a rich history that's not a winner. That's not a game changer. It's a deal breaker. And and so if you have two of the same offers, that's going to be the tiebreaker. So if it's Mets and Yankees and you're at the same money, he probably will choose the Yankees because of their rich history and all the rings. And that is, 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 is totally a role here. But money talks. And if, you know, like we can both say, if Cohen blows away the Yankees offer, he beats it by 20 million, chances are he goes to the Mets. You know, I asked a few kind of media guys, uh, bigger names and, and guys who have good raids and good instinct here. And they said he feels like a Met and not necessarily because of information they have um, that would suggest it. It's just the way you see this offseason, the Yankees got their guy. The Dodgers got their guy. You have other players in, and I think we need to talk about them. The Cubs are a player. The Blue Jays are a player. The Red Sox, to an extent, are a player. And you have a few others in there in the mix, too. So, you know, these he's holding up the rest of the pitching market. Like, that's another thing that we need to talk about. Um, but it's really unclear. You know, I, I think the Mets – they're as in it as they can be at this point. But to say conclusively he's going one way or the other is is a guess. And, and the thing is, what what's left to pitch? What he, you know, he comes to the U.S., the Mets went to Japan. I don't know what's left to pitch other than details of a contract. I don't know if they exchanged figures in the initial meeting. I think the Mets are going to have to go big and take the risk and maybe go 35 to 40 million AAV to lock them up. I'm not sure the Yankees go that deep already having Cole on the, on the, uh, on the roster. They have... Now, they just traded away some young pitching, but they've had a a good history of developing at least something. You know, Montgomery's there uh, is one example. I, I think the Mets really need, if they're going to win in the near term, I think they need this guy. And I think the plan B's, and I think that's where you're going. I like Montgomery, 
but his market's getting expensive. You're going to start paying him A money for B ta- for B performance. Blake Sm- Snell, to me, is Carlos Rodon. He's going to be a bust of a contract. Maybe I'm being hard on him. This is a guy that was the weakest of the Padres starters when they faced the Mets in the postseason a year ago. I know he has a good run in him. He did it with Tampa. He did it last season. But he wasn't great the whole season. You saw both sides of Blake Snell, and he's going to get paid big money. Maybe not to the level of of Yamamoto, but let's face it. If you're Boris and you see Yamamoto get $30 million, I got a Cy Young Award winner here. Why shouldn't he? You know, you're looking at seven years, 250 for probably Snell. I wouldn't do it. And then you look at the Mets and you're like, okay, do you just go with a lot of Lucas Giolito types, regroup for next year and see what next year's market is, see how your players develop? That's a tough sell. You know, puts a lot of pressure on Stearns. Now, I don't think Stearns will have a problem with that because he's already shown I'm not going to let the media pressure me. I'll go out and I'll sign minor league deals with Jose Iglesias. I don't care. I'm not going to wait till February because everyone's like, why is he doing all this? Well, he's doing it because that's all that's out there right now. Usually you do these in February. The market right now is dictating you got to do these moves first and then build your, your core roster. So the plan B's are there. I like Montgomery, but I like Montgomery at more at like 5-125. And I think that that's not where he's going right now. Not with, you know, not with the numbers you're seeing thrown out there. I mean – his market's rich, and I'll tell you that. Like the three main suitors there, and and one of them, Ken Rosenthal is reporting might not be a player. Is is the Rangers a return to the Rangers? Kind of was seen as, as the favorite for a while. Um, Ken Rosenthal reporting yesterday that it that might not be the case. That their TV revenue is really impacting. And again, like you know, I have my doubts. Like I think aspects of this are that's a it's definitely a nice cop out to not be in on a high profile free agent if you're having tv revenue issues um they have the money and and like maybe i'm wrong here but you know i was just talking to some people and they're like "Eh, i have my doubts about how legitimate these money issues are like i'm sure they have some uncertainty but it shouldn't take them out of jordan montgomery or josh Hader, like they can pull these off if they need to. Um, Otani, another question. You know, that's a whole separate issue. But, like, they they could pull off Montgomery if they needed to. They could do the same with Hayter. Um, the Red Sox are 100% a team to watch for Jordan Montgomery. And, and the Mets, I think this, in their eyes, if the money is right, I think this is their be- their favorite option behind Yamamoto. And, and but not with them. Only- like, originally, I'd like to team them up. That doesn't sound like that's possible. I, you know, I think that's probably what you're saying is probably likely the case. Um, here's what I'll tell you. Like, I, I think they do like Snell to an extent. I, I think the the qualifying offer makes it tricky. Like, it's reasonable to have your doubts about Blake Snell. Like, he almost profiles as the every other year type of guy, like has a four or five ERA, and then he's the Cy Young. And you're like, we can never get the same Blake Snell for like consecutive years. And it's a totally reasonable concern. The upside, obviously, there. He doesn't go deep in the games often. Um, you know, it feels like half the games he pitches are like five innings, no runs, right. and he threw 100 pitches, and you're like, all right, well, that was yeah. a good game, but he went five innings. And- Not, I mean, you have a game to win in the postseason. Okay, five innings, no runs is helpful in a game seven. Yeah. But now you're leaving the – a guy that's getting that kind of contract can't leave me 16 outs out of the bullpen or 15 outs out of the bullpen. Totally. And- you know? 
you know, like that's what I call a nibbler. Like or twelve outs loved, really out of the bullpen. I shouldn't say sixteen. Twelve outs out of the bullpen. Totally. Like he is, in my definition, the nibbler. Like he nibbles around the zone. He doesn't like. And and I have gone to like three Blake Snell games in person, and so I've watched him pitch a fair share of times. Like he walks too many guys, and he throws too many pitches, and you know, like he doesn't want to give up hard contact and I get it. And so that's why he has some of those walks. Um, and he'll leave the game. And, and sometimes his stat line is like, finally, he doesn't give up an earned run. You're like, all right, nice. But like, we're talking about like he leaves after 5.1 and he's pulled with a hundred, you know, three pitches. And you're like, come on. Like, yeah. I, I, I like give that. Give me another not... 20 pitches. Give me another exactly. inning. Get me to the exactly. seventh inning, you know, say what you want about the decline of Verlander and Scherzer. That was the attraction of them. They were elite. They got you into the seventh inning. To a certain degree, DeGrom didn't really start, you know, at the end of his tenure there, he wasn't getting you into the, the seventh inning. Maybe it was because of all the strikeouts. But, uh, you know, Michael, I I also look at what's left. And what's interesting is that nobody, I mean, everyone's criticizing the Mets. You know, Stearns is sleepy. They're angry. I mean, I got, after the Soto trade, I was surprised by inbox. Angry Mets fans. I read a couple of them on the air last week on a show I did. Nobody's really done anything outside of the Yankees with Soto and now the Dodgers with Otani. But as you look down the market, you know, who else is there? Let's take Yamamoto or Snell out of the equation, Montgomery. We know the Mets want to land the big fish, Yamamoto. Once they do that or don't do that, give me the two paths. What do you see likely? What are the names? What are the paths? Uh, you know, Montgomery might be a plan B, but he might be too rich. I think there's a point where Stearns is going to tell Cohen, it's just not worth it. Don't yeah, do it. and I would look at Imanaga, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Yeah, Imanaga, he, yep. No one's talking about him. He he is an option for them. They do have interest in him. Um, I saw Giolito was on a Morosi tweet. Uh, I was told pretty directly, like, we're not players there. Um, so Too expensive I would, for what you get. Yep, I just don't. I don't think they buy it. Like, I don't think they buy Lucas Giolito as a player and the consistency there. Um, there was a tweet, another, I think it was Morosi tweet that said Eduardo Rodriguez is about to sign. And there was four or five teams. That was a good that- contract. That was a good contract by Arizona, but a guy that, um, I don't know, not a guy that I, I want to give a long-term contract to. I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, I talked to a, a, reasonable amount of teams on Eduardo Rodriguez they were nervous and it's not even the on field there's a lot of off field questions there he declined the trade to the Dodgers last year and there's some stuff there that you know I I can't really divulge but like that was was one part the year before he went MIA for months on the Tigers they couldn't find him they didn't know where he was and there's a lot of questions here about how much does the player want it? Does, does he care? Like he, he just left in the middle of the season and the team couldn't even contact him. There was reports they had no idea where he was. Then the next year he has a chance to go win a world series. He's on the tigers and he just outright declines it. And so a lot of teams that took themselves out here, not because of the player, but because of the off-the-field questions about is he a fit for what we're trying to build. I know the Mets, were at the very end, like they were out. They were in no way interested. Rightfully so. 
rightfully and, so. And the questions there are like, did they have the same questions that all the other teams I talked to have? My guess is yeah, and and that's why they weren't players there. But Imanaga of all the remaining pitchers is a guy I would watch. Um, you know, even, with think, Yamamoto, even with Yamamoto? Even with Yamamoto, you think that that would knock them out of that? It's hard to say. I mean, I'd be guessing. Um, you know, I think if they get Yamamoto, they would probably sign like one other Severino-type contract. Maybe like a Jack Flaherty I'll, or something like that. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you here. Imanaga, we're talking nine digits there. I've heard over a hundred million is what we're expe- is what he's expected to get, and so you know that's not a cheap. This is not Senga from last year where you got a bargain. Yeah, and Senga would go probably far more this year with the way it is. And you got to give MPB credit. I mean, think about per- it's quite possible within the next two weeks by Christmas, the biggest contract, offensive contract, and the biggest pitching contract will be signed by Japanese stars. A game that was taught by Americans during the war to the Japanese, and they've always been in tournament play, whether it be the Olympics or the WBC, every bit the equal, if not better than the Americans. And and Kodai Singa was actually on a a Japanese uh, interview. I don't know if you saw that, talking about the differences in the game. And I think listening to the differences in the game could really show you where the league needs to go. And some of the things David Stern's trying to do with more contact, even Billy Epler was trying to do that to a certain degree. But it's quite an accomplishment for the MPB. Now I know that the Japanese culture is they don't want them coming over here. They want to keep them for themselves and supporting their region and their country. But I have to tell you uh, having a, you know, Yamamoto with the Mets or the Yankees and Otani in LA, that's a lot of, a lot of exposure for these Japanese stars. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I'll, I'll point this out. The report yesterday that Roki Sasaki was had had essentially asked the club um, that he he requested he be posted this year. I was told straight, not true, inaccurate um, that 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 he did not ask the club if he could come to uh, the United States. So that is is not accurate. But like I said, Imanaga name to watch at a hundred million. That's not much of a discount. Like you said, I nope. think you know if we're talking Senga in this economy. That's probably 150, right? And they got him. And he's got an opt out in a couple of years. He's got an opt out, so he's going to get paid too if he continues along the path and gets healthy. Uh, it no, stays it healthy, I should say. Stays healthy, and that's going to be a huge part of it too. I mean, his elbow was barking that last year in Japan, and they have a clause in the contract um, that I believe it, it it does it manipulates the contract in some way if he gets Tommy John surgery. So you know they are wary to some extent, and that's why you, you've seen them employ that six-man rotation, that Senga's health, you know, that could, they are take, they're not taking it for granted. They recognize that they got to be cautious with this And guy. they got to do with Yamamoto, too. They're going to have two guys. I mean, Yamamoto is no guarantee. As much as we love the numbers and the hype and the videos, there's no guarantee he stays healthy. There's no guarantee he won't have his own struggles. Look, at one point, uh, Hideki Arabu was supposed to be Roger Clements and Nolan Ryan not too long ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. Different media time, different scouting time, all different things. Uh, Hideo Nomo stormed onto the scene, and then you saw what happened there. You know, he was a solid pitcher, but not the Nomo that you saw sure. in '95 and '96. Let's remember that. So there is a lot of risk there with that. And then you look at really what it appears the focus for Stearns has been. 
more focused on the young players and giving them a shot on the offensive side than I expected. Totally value-driven in the bullpen. I don't think he's going to sign. You think he's going to sign an established reliever, a Robertson type? I don't think so. It sounds like he's going to go with lottery tickets. And I have no idea where he's going to go on the offensive side. I really don't, especially because it sounds like he wants to give Beatty and Mauricio you know, an opportunity. Alvarez is talking extension, so and we know Alvarez has established himself to at least be a starter. Um, uh, where do you see them go bullpen and offensive side? Because I'm lost. It sounds like they're going to go value-driven outside of maybe this splash for Yamamoto. I mean, I want you to take a look at how he worked in Milwaukee. And part of the reason he's no longer in Milwaukee, reportedly, was his trade of Josh Hader. They have an all-star closer. He, you know, from Milwaukee in terms of, like, was in their system, came up through the system, comes up, he's unhittable, you know, you can count him in, in in most big situations, and they have this lockdown closer, and they trade him with a year out. Now, obviously, in Milwaukee, they, they couldn't really pull off the numbers, but my understanding was ownership was not begging him to get rid of Josh Hader. They were comfortable letting that ride a little bit longer. And when he traded Josh Hader, and in their eyes, it didn't really work out as well as they had hoped because they got back Trevor Rogers, who was very mad. Now, in fairness to, to Stearns, he was very mad in San Diego the rest of the way that season. So here's what I'll tell you. like I think a huge part of it is value-driven. If you listen to the way he talks about bullpens, the people you count on on game one – Versus game 162, it's nearly an entire different bullpen when you look at those analytically driven clubs. They they take 100 shots in the dark, and they hope that 10 of them work out. And that's what he's doing right now. I I guarantee you he signs someone that you know. You know, I don't know if it's a David Robertson type. Like, I don't think he's completely opposed to signing someone who he can count on and knows, like, has some type of reputation but I don't think it's in his DNA to pay a Josh Hader to pay. Like if it was up to him, I, I bet he would have handled Edwin Diaz a little bit differently, you know, looking back a year ago. Um, but that's what I'll, I'll say there. Like, I think there, there might be a few more value driven acquisitions, maybe some names mixed in there. One or two guys that, you know, that, you know, may have some upside or maybe a higher floor that he thinks he can count on. If we're talking about bats, here's what I'll tell you. They want an outfielder. They they know they need an outfielder. I know that a lot of the options they've explored are defense first. Um, Margot was a guy they talked to. Um, you know, when we're looking at the non-tender deadline, it was down to the Mets and the Yankees were the teams that were having serious talks for Manuel Margot. Um, I think the Yankees are good on outfielders. They've got like three of them in the last week. So my guess is they're out. They could, you know, again, become a player for someone like Manuel Margot. I want to look at guys like Kevin Kiermeyer, Michael A. Taylor. Those are two names I would watch. Harrison Bader. Those are, are that type of player looks like one that they would like. Um, I think they want a defensive outfielder. Um, Young Hoo Lee. I just I've heard too much buzz with other teams to think that the Mets are like huge players there. I wouldn't be shocked if if they emerged as one. The Padres seem to be really interested. The Giants seem to be interested. So that might be where that's headed. 
Um, Michael A. Taylor has like a surprisingly big market. I think I would. I would he hits, watch he hits lefties well. If you get him to 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 platoon, and the Mets need some right-handed uh, production. They were really bad against lefties last year. I couldn't. I something that wasn't really reported. I looked at it recently. Like, wow, they were really bad against left-handed pitching. And and some of that is you know Nimmo's lefty and what have you, sure. Beatty, things like that. And Pete was bad against lefties. But I could see, you know, is are they looking at a Taylor or a Harrison Bader names that I like as a fourth outfielder, or are they looking at them being their everyday center fielder, moving Nimmo to the corner, and then maybe using one of these scrap heap guys? This is not a sexy offseason outside of Yamamoto. Now, Yamamoto will mitigate the anger, but I'm telling you, this is, and I don't think Stearns cares, and I, I knew it would be tough for Stearns. I knew he was coming in. The Yankees were, you know, the bear that was poked. Uh, they wanted to recalibrate with that 50 mil ode to Verlander and Scherzer. They wanted, they got to see what they got with these kids. You can't, you know, you can't just start trading guys. You don't have any idea what you have. You know, I get right. all sorts of various, various uh, projections on the pitchers. Someone told me they think that they're back in the rotation guys. Some people feel that Tidwell could be a uh, top of the rotation guy. You know, give me a bunch of number threes and fours and we'll figure out the, the ace later on. Right. Um, it's to me, this is going to be a tough, if they don't get Yamamoto, I'm not debating the right strategy. I think Stern's made it clear what he's looking to do with run prevention, but it's going to be tough from a talk radio media standpoint on day. Absolutely. It's really, good. really tough. Really tough. It's really it's tough. It's going to be a tough sell. No, no doubt about it. Um, you know, I don't think he's worried about his job safety. Like this guy signed a, a huge deal. He knows it's a multi-year process. I think a lot of this first year is going to be an evaluation year. He brought in a lot of his people. You see guys like Andy Green who are new to the organization, who are working on the, the development side. You know, these guys are coming in two weeks ago. You think they know what Blake Tidwell is capable of? I mean, you know, they need time to, to figure this stuff out. And sure, they have their internal projections, but, you know, I don't think he's oblivious to, to the part of this that, like, he doesn't know entirely – uh, you know what these guys are capable of. I don't think he feels comfortable bailing on a Brett Beatty or a Mark Vientos. I think he knows some of their limitations. Like I think he knows Vientos is limited defensively, but he's not willing to give up on the bat on on either of those guys. Maybe you see a platoon at DH. You have a DJ Stewart Vientos platoon, perhaps at the DH spot or something like that. Yeah, I mean, they're looking in the DH options. Like, I don't think they want to overpay for a DH option. I think that's clear here. Like, I know J.D. Martinez is someone they've at least talked about. I'm not willing to say they're serious players there. But that's someone to watch. I would watch someone like Justin Turner as a DH option. Um, you know, I, I have my doubts about how they view guys like DJ Stewart. Like, I want to hear... The same, like, I'm curious if you ask David Stearns kind of behind closed doors, what do you think about guys like Francisco Alvarez? Like, I want to hear from him that he's 100% sold that Francisco Alvarez is the catcher of the future. You know, we're, we're talking about Alvarez, you know, being interested in a new contract. I think he had a great rookie year, but it – like, are we a hundred percent sold that this guy is the catcher? I'd like to see him more this year. Show me that he's made progress with the bat. I think he exceeded my expectations on defense. Absolutely, he made me look bad. I thought he would he would be a DH. 
Totally. No, you know, and all I kept hearing was Scherzer. When Scherzer started talking highly of him, like, well, that that's a, a picky guy. That's not that's a connoisseur. Totally, that's a maestro talking very uh, highly of him. I need to see more of him. I don't think Beatty's a big leaguer. I'm concerned about Beatty. I like I like Vientos working with Lindor shows me a lot. Um, you know, going you know Mauricio to me is the wild card. Is he Christopher Morel? Possibly not a bad player, but that's a that's a component player. That's a guy that's going to drive you. You're going to be up. You're going to be down. He's going to drive you crazy. That's where I feel he's going. Where is his position? Uh, third base defense makes me nervous. Obviously, you have Iglesias and Wendell. Maybe Iglesias is brought on to be around the horn defensive player, Wendell, whatever it may be. You know, I said on the newsletter, I said, you know, Wendell's really show that Wendell's signing, I said, gives me an idea that they're really committed to the young guys. And I said that before they really came out and said, hey, we're committed to the young guys. So all yeah. this other stuff is noise at this point. Um, a DH, and here's where I think, and tell me if, you, if if I'm reading the market right, with the bottleneck in the market, and now you've, let's say you get Yamamoto, now you have Bellinger uh, and Snell. There's going to be a ton of guys after January 1st still out there. And Stern's talked about being opportunistic. Guys start looking at the calendar. They don't have a job. It's January 5th. They're going to get a job. But ball players are paranoid. You know this. They're paranoid. They see pitchers and catchers six weeks away, five weeks away, four weeks away. I be calling. I go, yo, where's my offers? What's up? Because it's musical chairs. And that's where I see Cohen and David Stearns coming in and maybe doing a rich one-year deal with an option to guys who are not happy with the market and say, you know what? These guys all, you know, set the market. Let me get what I can get now, reset, go back out next offseason. I can see the Mets dominating that kind of market. And that's a possibility. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean – in terms of kind of the timeline of, of how I think this offseason will go, I think a lot of the free agent pitchers are waiting for Yamamoto to sign. If I had to put a date on it, my guess, a guess, an educated guess, is like December 21st. I think that's December 21st, December 22nd. That's kind of my guess at the timeline there. I know it's going to be before Christmas. Um Oh, they're gonna Mets fans yeah. are gonna drive me nuts for ten days, man. I gotta tell you. And if they don't sign Yamamoto, what a miserable Christmas. They're gonna be a miserable bunch. Good lord. That's I, gonna drive me crazy, I gotta tell you. I I don't blame you. Um that's totally a part of it. I, I think if you're looking at pitchers, you might go like maybe one of the rentals go in terms of like the trade pieces. Wouldn't be shocked if Tyler Glass now goes Mets not in there. Um they're not really in the market to trade for a rental. They don't want to give up prospects. Stearns doesn't want to trade. Stearns is not trading any of his prospects. Uh, that, to me, he basically said that during the uh, the hot stove yeah. interviews. He's giving I you, think... listen, he's giving you the answers. He's not direct. You got to read through it. He had a really good interview with Gelbs and Duquette and Martino on the hot stove. He's told you exactly what the plan is. You just got to make sure you listen. It. That's the thing. I, they totally are completely opposed to giving away prospects for a year of a, of a rental. Now, I think if we're talking about someone like maybe Randy or Rosarena, that's a completely different story because now you're talking about a guy with control. Once you start talking about getting control, and that's what he said, right? Stern said, like, if we're giving up control, we want to get control back. Some kind of control back, right. Right. And so they're not opposed to training prospects if they're getting another guy for three, four years. But I don't think they're really looking for that right now. Like, I don't think that's the market. I think clearly they're looking at Yamamoto. They're going to figure this one out first. 
maybe they go aggressive in other paths if they miss on Yamamoto. Maybe they feel, hey, we, you know, now we've got 250 million. We just 300 million. We just saved by missing out on Yamamoto. Let's go get Randy or Rosarena. Let's let's pull off. We, we, you know, we need our marquee move of the off season. Let's, you know, tr- let's get Randy Rosarena. Maybe uh, Paredes from Tampa is shipped. Maybe let's look at him. You know, I don't think they're just going to not spend it at all. Like they're going to, they have a plan with Yamamoto and they have a plan without Yamamoto. And value is a huge component of it. I don't think that, you know, they're going to be reckless once they miss on one. They're going to just take all that money and drop it in another. Um, but I do think, you know, they would they would be more aggressive in other areas if they were to miss out on Yamamoto to compensate for it. All right, wrapping up here. Give me your prediction, Yamamoto prediction, and will it be a, a happy Christmas, a merry Christmas, a happy Hanukkah, a happy New Year for Mets fans? This is going to be an interesting couple of weeks. You know, it's funny because every Yankee fans think tomorrow they're going to like. I think they expect Hal to to put the guy in a room, lock the door, and not let him out. That's not how it's working. You know, the most he could do is a Pat Riley and take the rings and throw them down on the table. Um, and those rings are kind of getting old. Riley's was a little bit more recent than uh, and some of them anyway. Uh, so what do you think is going to happen? Man, I want to first stress it's a guess. It's not, you know, sourced anything. Um, Always you know, key. Kinda, uh, yeah, no. And I, I because, you know. We're having fun here. We're not going to nail Michael to the cross for anything. Hey. He's just trying to just trying to give us some good information to get some kind of dialogue and discussion going. For sure. I, you know, if I had to guess, you know, maybe I give the Mets a slight edge just because I think they would they want this one. And. and I want to be clear, a lot of people want, a lot of teams want this one, including the Yankees. Like, I think they're as serious as a player as anyone involved here. Um, you know, you talk to Yankees people, they, their impression is like, they really, really want this guy just as bad as they wanted Soto. And I think the same can be said for the Mets. Like, they really, really want this guy. But I think the Mets here have more to lose than the Yankees do. And I think Absolutely. for those reasons that might make the Mets the slight favorite here. Um, but again, this thing is open. There's been no decision made here. Um, so it's got to be something we'll track. Um, but I'm hoping for those Mets fans, it's a happy Christmas ahead. Well, Michael, you've done great work at Marino MLB. Great work on uh, Twitter. I know you're working on getting uh, your own uh, media empire here. Hopefully we can keep in touch. I'm sure you and I will talk again when the, uh, the offseason goes. Thank you again. Appreciate it. And, and let's let's talk soon, my friend. All righty. Sounds good. Thank you for having me on, man. And that's Michael Marino at Marino MLB. Interesting stuff. Buckle up because starting tomorrow, you know, all the rumors and all the, you know, he, this is what Hal had for lunch. And this is what the Yankees presented. And the Mets are in and the Mets are out. And like I said, like, just sit back, let it develop. At the end of the day. This is Yamamoto's decision. The beauty of the whole thing. It's not like the Mets have to convince him to take less money and get creative with the contract to come here. They could give him a every bit the contract that anybody else wants if they want to. Do they want to, depending on where it goes? What's the max value? Is this the guy you want to go $35 million a year on? You know, I know he's 25. He's still an unknown quantity that you may have you might have to beat Jarek Cole's contract to get him to come to New York to overcome the, I guess, the tax of not having the rich history and tradition 
of the New York Yankees. We talked about this week ago, like I said in the open. This is Mets versus Yankees, and this is hard. The Mets have never done this before, and there's a lot of reasons to favor the Yankees. There's a lot of reasons. Put yourself, even if you're a Mets fan, if you were a free agent and you wanted to make a a, a, a buck and you wanted to make a name for yourself, the Yankees provide you a lot. You you got to admit that. But the Mets have some cachet too. They play in a beautiful ballpark with an owner motivated to modernize that ballpark and take this team into the next uh, iteration of its history. And in the most diverse community in the city, including a huge Asian community. I know Asian community doesn't mean Japanese, but a huge Asian community. Um, and he's got his, you know, Senga, who he knows. The Mets showed that they could really matriculate Senga into the, the United States culture on both the culture side, on the baseball side. So let's see. And I'm sure that was part of the pitch that Stearns and Cohen had when they went to Japan. So anyway, want to thank everybody for tuning in to this edition of the Talking Mets podcast. You can check me out all the time at the thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media and to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G. Mike Silvat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Don't forget the newsletter. Sign up, Substack.com, slash at TalkingMetsNoG. And of course, I want to thank the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcasting Network for hosting the show. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast next week. Till then, take care, everybody. Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Head for the 